Hey, let's talk about economics, or rather, herconomics. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Herconomics. My name is Kat Hercules, and I am your host. And today we are going to be talking about elasticity. I think this is a great topic for my first episode. I love talking about elasticity. I feel like it is the economic topic that I talk about the most in my personal life. I feel like it applies to a lot of real life situations. And I really think it's essential to understanding most more complex economic topics. So let's get right into it. So first we need to define supply and demand. This is the basis of most economic modeling and is essential to understanding elasticity. So to define supply, supply is basically the producers of products or services and demand is the consumers of said products or services. Now supply and demand can both be graphed both individually and together and they are graphed linearly so it's a line graph. And on the x-axis, which runs along the bottom, that is the quantity supplied or demanded, depending on which curve you're looking at. And then the y-axis, which runs top to bottom, that is the price. And there will be some infographics of these line graphs on my Instagram, so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. I know it's hard to understand exactly what I'm saying just by listening, so don't worry, there are going to be some visual models that you can look at on my Instagram. Um, So going with the supply curve, this supply curve is upward sloping because the law of supply says that there is a direct or positive relationship between price and the quantity that suppliers are willing to produce. So in summary, as the price of a good or service increases, the amount that is produced also increases. And now the demand curve is kind of the opposite of that. The demand curve is downward sloping because the law of demand states that there is an inverse or negative, relationship between the price and the quantity that buyers are willing to purchase. So basically, as the price of a good or service increases, the demand for the good decreases, and vice versa. So if the price decreases, the demand is typically going to increase. So now that we kind of have defined uh, supply and demand, we can now think about elasticity. And the way that typically all Uh, videos, all textbooks, all professors will explain elasticity is with the rubber band analogy. So if you think of a rubber band, think about one of those really skinny ones, the super stretchy ones. You pull just a little bit and it's going to, it's going to give, it's going to pull. So you can stretch it a lot one way, stretch a lot the other way, and it's going to give you a big change. Now think of one of those really thick rubber bands, the ones that even if you pull really hard, they're only going to give a little bit. Um, That is a great way to think about economic elasticity. So the really stretchy, that's going to be elastic. And the not so stretchy, that's going to be inelastic. So like a rubber band, if supply or demand is elastic, then if the price changes, the quantity is going to change in some way. And if the supply or demand is inelastic, then the price change will have little effect on changes in quantity. Now, when looking at the graph, inelastic curves will be steeper since there is little leeway with quantity supplied or demanded in relation to price changes. And another note on elasticity, um, it can be measured quantitatively, so with numbers. Um, I'm not going to get into detail on how to calculate that, but if you are looking at an economic model 
or given any information and there is an elasticity value on there, if that value is less than one, it is going to be inelastic. And if it is more than one, it is elastic. So that's just a note if you ever come across that. That's not something I'm going to go into this episode, but if that is something you would like to know more about, just reach out to me. Elasticity applies to both supply and demand, so I'm going to go through each and give you an example just so we can nail down what implications elasticity has for both supply and demand. And first, we're going to start with supply. So if the amount of product that can be produced and sold will easily change with a change in price, that means that the supply is elastic. And a great example of elastic supply is food products. So if the price to produce donuts increases, then it is easy to increase the quantity that is supplied. So think about Krispy Kreme. If the price of flour increases or eggs or anything else that's needed to make donuts, if the cost of those products increase, that means producing donuts altogether, that cost increases. So, but since the supply is elastic, they can produce more um, with that change in price. So they can just buy more and produce more and sell more um, to get more revenue to be able to counteract those increased costs with production. So that means that the supply is pretty elastic. Now, if the supply is inelastic, that means that the amount of product that can be produced and sold will not easily change if the price of the product increases or decreases. A great example of this is doctors. So if the cost of medical visits go up, it isn't easy or really possible at all to increase the quantity of doctors available because it takes such extensive time to train doctors. They have to go to med school. They have to do residency. It takes a lot to get a new doctor in the field. So it's really not that simple to put more doctors out just when the cost of doctor visits go up. Um, Necessities are also a great example of this, such as water and gas. Those tend to be, um, the supply of those tend to be more inelastic. Now let's go on to demand. Elastic demand is when the amount of product that is demanded by consumers will easily change in response to price changes. Laptops are a famously elastic product. If a laptop is priced too high, people won't buy. Simple as that. Or they will buy fewer by definition of the demand curve. But a great thing about elastic demand is that there tend to be substitutes available. And substitutes are just products that serve similar purposes. The more substitutes that are available, the more elastic the demand might be for a product or service. For example, when you go to a bar, there are top shelf liquors and there are bottom shelf liquors. And for every top shelf option, there's a bottom shelf option. If you don't want to pay the price for Patron, you might go with Jose Cuervo instead. And there are a lot of examples of substitutes. Coke and Pepsi is a great one. Like if you go to a restaurant and you order a Coke and they say, oh, is Pepsi okay? Typically people will say, yes, that's fine. It's a substitute. Um, Consumers will tend to forego a product if it is priced too high or they will just find a substitute. And this is typically the case for most elastically demanded products and services. And the last concept to cover is inelastic demand. And this is when the amount of product that consumers are willing to buy does not change very much with changes in prices. And probably one of the most inelastically demanded products on the market is cigarettes. People that buy cigarettes will continue to buy relatively the same quantity, even if prices rise. Some people might consider e-cigarettes or vapes as substitutes for cigarettes, but historically, people that smoke cigarettes stick with cigarettes, even if 
prices rise. Governments tend to take advantage of products that have inelastic demand by tacking on some additional taxes for the producer or the consumer. Now, depending on the tax incidence, which is how taxes are divided between the producer and the consumer, companies may pass this tax off to consumers in the form of higher prices. Cigarettes have fallen victim to this as well as other products. Typically, whichever side supplier demand is inelastic, they will be the ones to take on the burden of additional taxes. That's not always the case, but it is a good rule of thumb. At the end of the day, there are price ceilings and floors that come into play. These regulate the lowest and highest prices that companies can charge for their products and services. If this is a topic that you would like to know more about and you would like me to go in depth on, please just let me know. Well, that is the end of my very first episode of Herconomics. Thank you so much for listening to me talk about elasticity and its many, many nuances as we've all come to find out. As I mentioned earlier, there are examples of all of the graphs that I talked about today on my Instagram. It's going to be on the elasticity episode post. Just scroll through and you can see all the different examples of the graphs. And then the at for that is at Herconomics Podcast for my Instagram. And you can also connect with me on Twitter. That is at Herconomics Pod. Please DM me, email me, or comment on any of my social media posts with any questions that you might have. They can be about today's topic or anything I mentioned at all in this episode. If you're also curious about a different economic concept that I didn't even mention or that maybe you heard somewhere else, please just let me know. I would love to learn more about it with you and go in depth on that in another episode or even just kind of talking back and forth with just you. Thanks for listening to me talk about economics the Herconomics way.